Hello and welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. Uh, these have been fun, and the games at the UW-Milwaukee Panther Arena have been a lot of fun lately. Three games, uh, as we tape this, three games have been played at home, and uh, they have been awesome. They've and been the great games. the fans have been great. Yeah, it's been, a f- it's, been a lot of, it's been a lot of fun. And it doesn't hurt when, you know, like Dave Andrews doesn't want to hear this, but it doesn't hurt. When AJ Greer jumps out of flies out of the yeah, penalty box, I was going to say when you have to go back to April Fool's Day of twelve, don't you? Yeah, the, the Rockford last time situation. I yeah, like that I happening. could not remember no. anything like that happening since then. Pretty reminiscent of it. Obviously, it wasn't a full blown bench brawl. Yeah, yeah. but you know, if, if the fans who've been around for a while can remember Michael Latta leaving you the know, box, leaving the box without his jersey yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, skating around. That was that was a scene to behold. Yep. Just looking for somebody, like yep. real old time hockey. Yep, it, it really was. And then it, we were close to it here the other we night. We were close on that uh, Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, AJ Greer uh, said something that did not sit well. Uh, did something that did not sit well with uh, Admirals captain Jared Tenorti and. Uh, uh, you know, Greer. Well, they all paid a price in some fashion in or some another. fashion, and Greer's going to pay the most out of it. Most likely, yes, yes. Given the suspensions that are likely to come down, yeah, and perhaps just the getting, fines and, and getting pummeled. Yes, as well. and exactly. <laughs> right? Being on the if receiving end of the If you come out of the, of the penalty box to fight someone, at least you want to quit yourself fairly well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, you know, sometimes we see fights on the ice. It doesn't happen quite so much anymore, but it used to where, you know, there wasn't a lot of intensity to it. Right. You didn't get that feeling no, there from was Jared some Tenorti. Heat here. Yeah, there was like, heat. That was, he was mad. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right. It, that wasn't just for show or to fire up your team. You know, like that the was, Donald Brashear where he's mic'd up and he says, exactly, you want to go, let's go. Exactly. That was with Rytus Ivanins. It was, uh, yes. Former Admiral Rytus yeah. Ivanins. Um, but yeah, there was no, that wasn't go. That wasn't the deal on, no. uh, on Saturday night. No, 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 it was not. Um, Freddie Gaudreau has been back. Freddie's back. Uh, he scored goals in each of his first two games. Um, and you just see things out of him on the ice that other guys, for the Admirals or other players, that they just don't do. And even even a rusty Freddie Goodrow. Right, who right? hadn't played, right? Yeah, he hadn't played uh, at all. He'd been out with, a, a, with an injury for a little bit, and uh, but he comes back out, and now Daniel Carr. So you get the hockey sense of Freddie Goodrow. Um, you get the hockey sense and the pedigree of and the resume of Daniel Carr in the lineup now. Uh, there's a lot to like about this club. And in in the Admirals game at Chicago, Rem Pitlick was fantastic. Yeah, Robert in, in Ferguson made a save on him. Dylan Ferguson. Dylan Fer- Robert. Yeah, Robert Ferguson, <laughs> former Packers <laughs> yeah, receiver. receiver. Yeah, receiver, sorry, yeah. apologize. Uh, Dylan Ferguson made a save on Rem Pitlick that you just got to, you know, you feel bad for Rem yeah. who's who's – Really, I'm sure. Obviously, he wants to score his first pro goal. Yeah, and uh, but he stuck with it. He did. And that turned into like a for the Admirals. It turned into like a four minute shift in the offensive zone. Right. As they made changes and all of that, it was, it was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Really cool to see. Absolutely. These young guys and Yakov Trenin made his debut in the, since the last. We spent the the first part of the show was it last week or was it the week before talking about, about how fun it is to see Yakov Trenin mature I think it was last and, week and uh and and do all of that and and then sure enough we see him make his way to the NHL and make his NHL and make debut, his NHL which is debut. Awesome. it was so great and you know uh, you may have seen his quote about you know what Carl tells him you're going up he's like yeah. I can't even couldn't even talk did you hear couldn't even process did you it. hear how this was uh, told Scott Ford told us this on the uh, Admirals uh, Center Ice radio show 
on uh, the Big 920 and the iHeartRadio app in Milwaukee. Um, they were sitting in the office, the coaches were, and Carl calls Trennan afternoon and says, uh, hey, uh, Yak, uh, you're not going to be on the power play tonight. <laughs> and and Trennan's trying to understand why and right. what's going on and stuff and and doesn't understand why he's losing playing time and he's like because you're going to Nashville and wow. uh, yeah so that's how that's how it went down that's pretty cool that's really that's really cool <laughs> that's, that's really neat that would be that's got to be if you're a coach that has to be I don't know if it's the best thing about your job but it's pretty it's, darn close yeah. it's top three for for all the times. Level. That you have to tell a guy you're not good enough, you're yes. going down. Yep. This almost makes up for that. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, it's uh, that's pretty cool. So, but Yak is back. Uh, we can show, that should be the Yak thing. Is back, Yak is right? back. Right. Right. Uh, we should make shirts. Uh, and I want the copyright. Um, Maybe for Dale Yakachuk. Uh, yeah, and we could do it there. You're right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense too. Uh, yeah, we mentioned that. Did we mention that last week that Dale Yakachuk and John Flesh are scheduled are, to are appear scheduled likely to come out in, uh, later on the season? Uh, Darren Hadar, of course, coming later on in the season when his jersey is retired. Um, there's going to be a lot of appearances, so uh, a lot of cool things coming up for uh, sure all season long. Uh, go to MilwaukeeAdmirals.com uh, for more information. We should just move on. Huh? Let's move on and a, let's get on to the guest. We have a fantastic guest. Uh, 75 goals in the 82-83 season, uh, which is an all-time record, and it will never be broken because there's no such there's thing no as There's no more IHL, IHL anymore. Yeah. Uh, but Danny LaCour uh, was one of the great goal scorers of all time at any level of hockey. Uh, you can't dispute that. Just look at the numbers and talk to the people he played with and against. Phil Phil uh, Whitliff said last week on this that Danny was probably the best goal scorer he's ever seen. Yeah. Um, you know, problem problem with Danny, the, what, if there was one issue with him, he was five foot five. Right. Or is five is foot, foot five. five. Not was. Still and, is. Yeah, he yeah. still is. And, uh, and he came up at a time. I think we're finally getting around to maybe these smaller guys playing. But, right. But uh, back then, man, that wasn't happening. No. Brute wasn't force. Happening at That's all. how you want it. Exactly right. Uh, so we're going to talk with Danny, and uh, I'm sure he's going to have some great stuff to talk about. No in doubt. In just a minute. Danny LaCour, Admirals legend, will join us when we come back on the Milwaukee Admirals podcast. Okay, we're back with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims on the Milwaukee Admirals podcast, and it's a treat to be joined by this guy. He's an absolute legend, one of the great goal scorers in the history of hockey. Uh, Danny LaCour joins us. Danny, thanks so much for coming in and doing this. Well, thank you for having me. How's everything going for you? Well, so far, so good. Uh, I, Like I said earlier, I play a lot of golf in the summer, and uh, during the winter is a little downtime, but... Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, when you live here, you know, you can't play 12 months a year. Yeah. play golf 12 months a year, but uh, everything's going pretty well. When did you pick up golf? Actually, I didn't start. I was 17 or 18 years old. Okay. So. But you played when you were a player. When you were playing when hockey, you, playing you hockey, were playing You golf. were out on the course when you could. Well, not during the season. Right, but, right, of right. course. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I played a lot as well. Uh, in during, the off season. In the off season, yeah. when I was playing, yeah. So then, do you, when when you're in the winter now, do you go to those video courses, simulators. those simulators, or do you, what do you do then to to keep an edge, to keep your your game in in fine form? Well, it's kind of funny you mention it, but yes, I do. Do you? Uh, it's quite different when it comes time to putting. 
Sure. It's, it's quite different, but it's kind of nice because you can hit hit it into the into the canvas, and it tells you where your ball is, and then how many yards you are to the green, and and you don't even have to walk. You don't even have to walk. And you don't lose any balls, <laughs> That's which right. is the nice thing, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. But you, you've, the last several years, you do a couple of trips, too, to go down south and play yeah. to keep your game going yeah, as well. Go, go to Florida. Uh, this past year uh, in May, I went to uh, Arizona. Uh, yeah, I like to get away at least uh, a couple times a year uh, where it's warm and be able to play a couple times. And uh, you play... Well, you've made trips to play golf with guys that you played with here. Richie Sirwa, you've gone out and played with him before, right? Uh, so I think it's pretty neat. You know, you've been retired for, from playing hockey for many years, you know, at least, at least 10. 40, uh, 42, 42 years. 43 years, yeah. Wow. Uh, 33. 86, right? 86, 87? Right. Yeah, 30. Okay, 33. there we go. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So y it's pretty neat that you still keep in touch with these guys. Yeah, well, Richie, uh, Richie lives in California, so it's it's a natural. It's but you a, don't even want to see him; you just want to go play his golf, well, uh, golf courses. Uh, he's he lives in uh, Orange County, but um, they go to uh, Palm Spring uh, okay. every year, like uh, around Memorial Weekend, and they have a big tournament. They must have like sixty to eighty-five guys that comes in from all over the country. And uh, it's just a blast when you when you're able to go and uh, we um, you know eight guys can live in the same house and uh, we split the cost but those houses are so big that everybody's got their own room mm -hmm. right and um, uh, you know the golf course are awesome so you saw like you saw that they're going to get a hockey team now right Seattle's the new NHL, NHL team Seattle is going to put its farm team in Palm Springs. No. Yeah. They're yeah. building a brand new arena. <laughs> yes. Brand new arena, and they are going to be in, a in 2021 when Seattle comes into the league. In two years, yeah. Palm Springs. Really? Yeah. Palm Springs <laughs> well, is going to be the affiliate. Well, Whoa. For the guys that are going to be playing there, they're going to love, <laughs> love it. <laughs> they're they're going to love, love it. it. Yeah. yeah. But they might have to double their salaries. Yeah. The AHL <laughs> salaries might have to get cranked up a little bit yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. It costs, uh, it's a little bit more costly to live there, I'm sure. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, to I told you, Danny, uh, Danny LaCour joining us, I told you before, uh, before we turned on the microphones that I was, I was Googling your name to try to find some things in the past, and I came across an old story from the Milwaukee Journal and talking about your retirement. And you had just de you had decided that, I think it was November of 86, right? That right, there was You had played 14 games. You had 12 points in 14 games. But you didn't feel like you were up to playing anymore. Like you did, it wasn't your standard that you had set in the past. Is what was what the and, quote and was. And the year before, eighty-five, eighty-six. I have his stats up here. This yeah. is not off the top of my head. You had one hundred one points in eighty-one games. Not bad, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's so pretty why? Impressive. I mean, you were a young man. Um, it just it just didn't feel like it anymore. What what was going on? Well, I'll be honest with you. It it wasn't my decision. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So the paper at the time just did the company line kind of thing, and well, I kind of went with uh, what what, what the least harmful part would be. Right. Okay. Right, because it's not the real story. Okay. Because a hockey player that averaged sixty goals a year, the previous four years, mm -hmm. 
does not decide to retire out of nowhere at 31 years old. Exactly right. 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 Yeah, uh, barring an injury, without an injury or something right. like that. Somebody didn't want me here anymore, and it wasn't handled the right way. It hmm. should have been handled in the off season. Right. As professional, you don't want me here anymore. You call me in in June or July of 87 or uh, 86. 86. Yeah. But now it was November 86 that I quit that. that okay. Was, so June or July of 87. The following summer. Uh, well, yeah. June, okay. June of 86, 87. Okay. And say, okay. we're moving on. Right. And then it gives you an opportunity to maybe go somewhere else and, right. and catch on. Right. Because the way it was done and handled, that was that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Sure. I made a decision because of the fact that <clears throat> I kind of knew at training camp that for nine years in a row, number 27 jersey was an extra small. And for some reason, that year, 86, 87, was an extra large. Really? Huh. So if you know you don't want me here the following year, then handle it like a professional and call me in in the off season and say, you got to go. Yeah. Right. So now you can pick a team in the league that we can try to trade you. Right. Or if they release you, we can put you on waivers, but we don't want you here next year. Yeah. So do it that way. So why didn't you try to find some other team then after you were done? Or were you just sickened by the whole situation well, I, that you just couldn't do it anymore? I was able to. Okay. Uh, and this is what I'm saying about do it like a professional do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Bill Inglis was the coach in Kalamazoo. Okay. And when he saw my name on waivers, he said, Danny, I, he called me. He said, Danny, I know that you've been there for nine, ten years. And... I don't want you to make a decision. He said, I really want you to come here. Yeah. But he said, I don't want you to come here tomorrow and then quit on me next week because it's too hard for you to be here. So he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, today's Thursday. I'll call you next Friday. And you gave me an answer. Okay. That's how you're supposed to do things. So right. he called me the following Friday. And in the meantime, I had talked to Freddie, Cal, Eve, these guys, and Admirals had told me they were going to retire my number and find me a job. So I thought, well, now if I don't go that route and I go play in Kalamazoo to finish the season of 86-87, I come back here next year. So I thought, well, all right, I might as well retire mm -hmm. and uh, – Oh, you got to you know, uproot your family, uh, things like that, right? right? Yeah. So, uh, well, I think that year if I would have went to Kalamazoo, I would have went by myself because at the time Jan was a head teller in a bank, so she would have stayed here. So I would have finished the season with Kalamazoo. But <clears throat> after they told me that they would find me a job, which I didn't know what kind of job it was. Okay. But I ended up, uh, Mr. Pettit knew Mr. Hunsinger, and he made a phone call, and Mr. Hunsinger said, okay, I'll do you a favor. He said, we'll put him to work. And it turned out very well for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked construction for 27, 28 years. And, uh, and one of the things that I think is pretty neat that you were respond like you worked at the Bradley Center, right. like on the Bradley Center. I remember you telling us a few years ago that you would see your – teammates going into the practice and yeah. while while you were working while across working. the street yeah. yeah i got in hot water one day at uh i was uh i saw the guys were coming to practice in the morning and uh 
some way, somehow, there was a fencing that was between the road and, uh, you know, where the construction was being done. So right. guys would come to the fencing and would talk a little bit. And I was there a little too long. One time my foreman saw me, and uh, <laughs> he, to- he told the superintendent of the job. So I got called in in the trailer, and they said, uh, we got a hole for you to dig. He said, uh, we're, looking for a, we're looking for a manhole that we can find. But that wasn't. It wasn't true. They, <laughs> no. it, it was actually moving you to a different part. It was actually at the furthest point from the <laughs> fence, right, right? To be able to see those guys, and after an hour and a half of digging, they came and said, "Okay." He said, "It's not around here. Forget." You know, it. there's a. There, it reminds me of the old. There's a joke in baseball where they tell a new bat boy or a new equipment manager, "Hey, can you go roll up the foul the foul line?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they, you know, looking around or yeah. John Greenberg actually tells a story about a kid who said, "Can you go find the box of curveballs?" They tell this kid, and he's searching around frantically <laughs> sweating, and he ends up in like Harry Dalton's office or yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Mr. Dalton, can you tell me where the uh, the box of curveballs is? Anyways, that's sort of what uh, I think of when I when you say that story. Yeah. Yeah. Like just to yeah, get you refocused a little bit, right? Yeah, we we hear a lot of uh, you know like a wood stretcher, you know. A guy can tell you go get a wood stretcher, or right. uh, or uh, I need some toenails. You, you got all kind of different nails, you know. Right, absolutely. But if you don't, if you're not familiar with any of it, right, you think some, there might merely be might actually be a toenail. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So were you the victim of that when you? Because you, I mean, I, I don't know what your background was with construction. I didn't going have into any. this. Yeah, but it was all hockey, what, what as far did, as I know, right? What did you do? Like you, you don't just show up and be like, you know, and and you're soldering together big pieces of uh, the uh, the structure, right? Like, well, the, the, those are the iron workers that does that. I was a laborer, so a laborer usually. I started working on the column crew with the carpenters. So for me, I got to make sure that the carpenters has everything they need. Yep. All the tools, all the electric cord. And uh, and then I, from there, I start mostly pouring concrete for 20 years. Wow. Almost. And I love doing I love pouring concrete more than working with the carpenters or, uh, you know, doing piddly little stuff. I'd rather pour concrete because time flies so much and... Uh, you know, I enjoy. There's doing always it. work. Always. There's always uh, work. And you work concrete crew. That's where all the hours are. Right. So you know, people might go home after eight, nine hours, but you might be there thirteen hours. Sure. Because once you start pouring, you can't stop you can't until stop. it's done. Exactly right. Right. So. right. Absolutely. Danny Lacour joining us. I'm so interested. When you joined the Admirals, they were considered a semi-professional team. Why? I, why did you leave Quebec? And how did you get to Milwaukee? How did you find out that it was uh, that Milwaukee was going to be where you? ended up making the rest of your life well first of all is uh, you know the love of the game that we had and uh growing up in canada of course it's our sport uh you know we skate at three four years old and um so when i got done playing junior uh in canada not being drafted by anybody or invite to any camp it was it was a wake-up call because I, you never think that it's going to end that way. Right. And, and had, I mean, obviously, this shouldn't come as a surprise, but you put up eye drop or jaw-dropping numbers in juniors. So, did you expect to be drafted to at least get a to get a tryout, and then to not be, like you say, is boy, this is this is jarring. Now what? Yeah. I wasn't. I, I wasn't surprised. I didn't because 
Philadelphia had won the Stanley Cup in 74, 75, 75, 76 with big players, uh, right. tough guys. Dave Schultz, yeah. Dave Schultz, Dave Zaleski, and I mean, the you Broad know, Street Bullies. Yeah, so you name it. So I came out of junior at that time, and uh, I think when the other team in the WHA at the time and NHL saw what the Flyers could do with that type of players, they thought, okay, we'll go the same route. So at that time, uh, five foot five, five foot six people didn't look at it at that time because of what Philadelphia was winning with. Sure. So, uh, so you weren't surprised? No, I wasn't surprised, but I was hoping at least to be invited to a camp. Sure. And that didn't happen either. And somebody had asked me if I want to go play in uh, New Brunswick, which it's a men's league and they pay you for it, you know. And and the guy that came to talk to me, Clement Tremblay, I used to watch him play when I was a younger, when I was 12, 13 years old. Uh, he was coaching. I said, well, I'll go in one condition if you sign my brother Norman with me. He said, okay, we'll bring both of you. Is that right? Yeah. But then in the meantime, Gilles and Pierre Quintel were in Chicoutimi uh, at the which training. Is where you played, which is where you played juniors. Yeah. With them, yeah. And they went to training camp there. Uh, Gilles had his girlfriend still there. So Pierre and Gilles went there one weekend at the training camp the following year. And I get a call from Gilles, and he said, are you playing anywhere next year? I said, as far as I know, no, I'm not. He said, well, let me make a phone call. So he called Andre Caron. Who's the coach of the Admirals at the time. Right. And Andre called me. He said, would you like to come to Milwaukee? And my first question was, is that where the Brewers are? <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, okay, I'm in. So he came and s s signed a contract with, you know, those kind of contract. They can rip it off and you can go home no matter what. But uh, – and then I came to Milwaukee. At what, 20 years old? 20 years old. 20 years old. Yeah. So, and then I've been here ever since. Ever since. I'm sure you never thought that would happen, right? Like, show up? No, but, you know, after my second year I was here, I really, you know, the people of Milwaukee make you feel like you're, you're one of theirs. You know, um, they just make you feel at home. It's, uh, it's easy to, how many, you see all the, the pro athlete that played here, Brewers at basketball and that still live here. Yeah, right, right. And even us, you know, the Admirals, we're about nine or ten of us there uh, has been here ever since. Especially from your era. Right. Tons of them. Right. Still live here. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what brought me here. Um, Andre Cohen was the coach and his brother was a scout uh, in a junior league. Uh, and then uh, his brother had mentioned my name, but... Uh, for some reason, I got the connection through Gilles Quintal with Andre, and that was it. So where did your brother go? He didn't. He didn't go anywhere. He stayed. He stayed <laughs> well, at home. Actually, when I asked Clement Tremblay, uh, my brother didn't even know I asked him. <laughs> really? He had no plans. I just thought, well, I'm going to ask you. If you say yes, then we'll bring him then in. We'll bring him in. <laughs> then okay. we'll bring him so in. Okay. So how how many years was it before you told him, uh, you know, just FYI? <laughs> I don't even know. Well, you know what? I might have talked to him after Clement Tremblay because Clement never met my brother. He went. He left. But within the week or two after that, 
uh, I had talked to my brother, and he said, yeah, I'll go. Sure. But then when I got a call from uh, André Calagon, I said, well, forget New Brunswick. I'm going to Milwaukee. <laughs> I'm going to Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> so you get here, and, I mean, the team, well, you win a championship your first year, right? Well, I wasn't here. You knew you were here for the next year. Okay. Well, I was here in 75, 76, but we ran into some money issue. Right. The we team did. We the team did, The team did, or yes. you? The team. We the team. Did. Yeah, I know yeah, that yeah. the team had terrible financial So that's straits. what I was going to say is you come in at a time where I mean, you've uprooted your life. You're a young man. You're moving on with your life, and you come to a place where there's no money. So <laughs> Yeah, we were, we were okay until, you know, uh, December. Then okay. we started having problems, and I believe it was in February, and so I said, I, I, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. So, but they went, they ended up winning the championship. And then the following year, I get a letter, see if I want to come back. And I'm thinking, well. Is there going to be any money? Am I going to get paid? And it was the same guy again. That was the owner, Bill Shimo. Right. Yeah. So, I said, well, yeah, I want to play. I'll go back, you know. Really? Because at that time, they promised you this, no problem. We're going to be okay. And then again, December comes around. But thank God for Mr. and Mrs. Pettit. I was going to say, they come in, and was it an, an immediate sense of relief for everybody? Oh, yeah. Then we knew that we, uh, you know, that we knew we weren't going to have to worry about it, and we'd be here, you know. And that year, we got beat in the final as well, and that was that was some pretty good hockey. In 77, yeah. Yeah, well, we got beat there. Because back then, you didn't have an overtime. Right. It was just tie. It, Whatever right. team yeah. gets to eight points first – win the championship championship. and we had a seven seven both team had seven points and we played here really and we got beat three to one three to one Mm. yeah but that was a a good series though that was and then the following year of course they went to the ihl and and could you tell an immediate difference in the hockey when you went to the ihl there isn't there's not a precipitous drop in your numbers from going to the ushl to the ihl a little bit but you know the hockey was much better yeah Obviously, and you could tell as a player. Oh, right, right from the get go, right from the get go, the speed and the position. You know, you had to play. You know, the IHL was it, it, it was a pretty good league to uh, to work your way up. I mean, uh, I don't think anybody should have felt bad that if they got drafted or they went to a camp and they were sent down to the IHL. I mean, that's a, it was a good league to be. You know, to become a better player. Sure. Well, there were guys you played with, especially on that first team. Pete Peters was your goalie for a while. Yeah. Uh, Bob Froze was here for a little bit. I mean, there were guys that moved on that had great NHL, NHL careers career, yeah. that, that really got their start in Milwaukee. Well, uh, Michel Lachance, uh, uh, Gary Morrison, I'm not sure if he I, – I believe he played with Philadelphia a few games. Uh, Danny Clark was under uh, contract with New York Rangers, I believe. I'm not sure what happened with Danny. But, yeah, we had a lot of – Quite a few good hockey players. Uh, Eve Preston, Eve Preston, right? Eve Preston, three sure. years with the Flyers. Well, he ended up signing with them after our first year in the IHL. So it's just to tell you that the league, because they signed quite a few guys coming out of this league, yeah. and Eve was one of them. So, yeah. You scored a lot of goals. You were a goal scorer. But what type of player were you out, were you out on the were you, are you Were you fast? Did you, so, or was it just that, were you, obviously you were gritty, you know, we've seen fight videos from you, not probably not as many as, you know, some of the other guys. Bucks car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what type of player were you, if you had to describe uh, your style? Well, I'll be very honest with you. Um, 
I was an offensive player. I was a goal scorer. I felt like I was born to be a goal scorer. I wasn't a 200-foot player. Sure. So, you know. Um, you weren't a 200-foot player. I wasn't. So did you know your goalie? I'm joking a little bit there. I'm <laughs> wondering if you got back enough far enough to meet your goaltender. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I think as I got older, uh, I became better defensively. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, I had years plus 36, plus 48, but when you're scoring uh, more goals than 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 you know, that's than, what matters. And uh, so, yeah, my first year, my. I want to say all the way till 82, 83. So my first three or four years, I, was, uh, I wasn't as good defensively as I was my last three, four years that I mm -hmm. played. Sure. So. And that makes sense. You, I, you, uh, real quick, you, mentioned, you said boxcar, Derek Davis. Tell us about him. Well, let's just say that you – you rather have a player like Buckscar on your team than playing against yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, was, was he a rat? Was he mean? Was he tough? What What, what was it like? Or all three? All, all, all of the above. All of, it, yeah. all of the above, and he practiced the same way he played. Really? Is that right? So if you practice a power play, like we practice power plays, and when he was killing, practicing and he was killing penalties, the switch was always on. The switch was always on. You could not come too close to the crease or because he would. He'd just two-hand you, right? He <laughs> would tre treat you the same way if it was somebody else that he played against. Wow. <laughs> so were there fights in practice? Did guys take a take umbrage at this, or they just knew that's boxcar? Well, there's. And who wants to, and who wants to fight him on your own team anyway, right? There was, there was uh, some moments that uh, it would have. Probably got a lot further if nobody would have got in between or whatever. But yeah, it was. There's times that it was uh, ring practice. Uh, there's a few things that happen, you know. I mean, but you got to let it go. And it was such an interesting time because there was a large group of you that were together for several years. It isn't like it is now where you have five, six guys who are back from year to year. It was. It was a good chunk. It was probably seventy-five percent of your team that. We're together for five, six, seven years. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you know, Freddie, Eve, and uh, Yakachuk. Uh, I mean, there's quite a few guys. Kevin Willison was here for quite a while, too. Yeah. Uh, Rick Bucks, Sirwa. Rick Sirwa, Buckscar, uh, Al McKenzie played a, a couple years in a, when we first said 77, 78, 78, 79. Uh, Al was part, of it, and he's, he still lives here. Um, John Flesh was here for uh, three, yeah, three, four years. Johnny right. was here, yeah, yeah. They, you're right, and I think that's it was easier for people to connect with us because we were here for so many years. Right. You know what I mean? Like you said, now they're here a year or two, and then they get called up or they get traded right. or, you know. Um, so it's different. Back then, yeah, we were here for quite a good period of time. Well, and it allowed you to become, you became a community, you became a close-knit team, mm -hmm. and uh, but you become part of the community as well. And as you mentioned, so many of you guys stayed, and, you know, nowadays the guys are here for whatever when the season ends. They head back to where they're from, whatever, and they work out. But you guys right. figured, I mean, so what do you guys do in the summer? Well, we, we used to uh, be, believe it or not, eight of us that were left-handed. Okay. 
you'd never see two foursome on a golf course and we're all left-handed. Yeah, all. right? All left-handed. <laughs> yeah, it was Blaine Peerless, Yak, Freddie, me, Kevin Willison, Richard Sirois, and two other guys, but there was eight of us that was all left-handed. <laughs> wow. And, yeah, we would play a lot during the summer. And we, Yak, me, and Eve played. Where did you, where did you live? Uh... I used to live on 60th and Cold Spring at that time, I okay. believe. Um, yeah. My first apartment, actually, in 77, 78, was on 60th and Cold Spring. And I was there for five years. And then I moved not too far from there. And uh, I lived in New Berlin for 17 years. Sure. Uh, now I'm in Oak Creek. Gotcha. Where would you golf? Where would you guys go golfing? Did you have like an inn? Did the, did yeah. the team have an inn? Yeah, we did. I'm sure you did, right? We used to go to Villada Park almost every day. Really? It was kind of like a private course, but we, uh, yeah, some kind of deal. I was work with the Emeralds that the guy that was the pro there uh, would get, I think, season ticket. Whatever he needed, yeah. And we were able to play there all the time. That's nice. Did you guys have to work in the summer then? No. It was it was a it was a it was a summer. It was you had that you had it off. Yeah. So did that's you, great. Did you skate? Uh, I was playing in a summer league. Yeah. And, uh, and like, just like at Wilson Park or. Yeah, uh, but not much though. I was, you know, I I could have played two or three nights a week, but I was playing softball almost every night as well. Is that right? And then, uh, every now and then I'll skate, but not there, that much. There too, it's another example of how you guys become part of the community. It's just a normal summer for anybody. It just so happens you guys are pro athletes in the fall and winter. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I, I just picture a whole team, a whole softball team of Admirals players. I know, right? Getting but, out there, it, and but it, that nowadays that would never happen. Never ever right? happen. But no. but it, because of that. You get to become friendly with a lot of the other athletes in town. Yeah, absolutely. That gave you the chance and the, you know the opportunity to, uh, you know, when you play in these golf outing, uh, a lot of those like Brewers and um, and a lot of those guys were here year round. Obviously, you know uh, Packers. And I remember when I played in the Vince Lombardi. Of course, now you're talking about actors and actresses from Hollywood sure. and Bob Hope and all the. Green Bay Bard Star and and uh, but I, I, even today I think I would be too shy to go up and talk to the, to ask them for an autograph. But, uh, but you said Bob Hope. You played with you played on the, the same uh, course as Bob Hope. Yeah, at North Hills where they got the the um, Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi. So does he perform at a banquet or is he just there hanging out or what? What was that? What was that? And you said you were too shy. You didn't meet him. Right, but actually the, then. It's a two-day event. The okay. Vince Lombardi is a two-day event. And uh, the Friday, we have a part three event in the morning, and then the afternoon, they have a putting contest. Sure. Okay. And then on Friday night, they have an auction. And you you can bid, I mean, and they have a comedian from Hollywood or Los Angeles that comes in and, you know, tells joke for about an hour, an hour sure. and a half, and sure. then you have the auction. But that night is only for... The golfer, right. ju just the man. But the Saturday, then you have the uh, tournament, 18-hole scramble. And you have a, f a formal dinner that uh, you got to rent a tux. And your wife wears a... An evening gown. An ev yeah. yeah. It's a, and it's sponsored by Buick, so it was great. You can go there on Thursday 
Fuck your car there, and you go home with a Buick. (laughs) (laughs) It's wonderful. It was great. I thought maybe that was just for the people coming from out of town. They said, no, go ahead. Okay. Really? So you go rip around for a few days? Yeah, Friday, Saturday. Then when you leave on Saturday night, you take your car, you leave the Buick. (laughs) And you're disappointed again. You're (laughs) like, oh, boy, we got to do this. We got to do this. Yeah. you, you mentioned the, the ties. You had told a story before we turned on the microphones that you were at... Charlie the, Moore. Charlie Moore's going Gets away party. to Toronto. Toronto. What year is this? 88, 89? Uh, Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. So he, so just uh, tell, tell, tell the story. Charlie Moore gets traded, so there's a party. and Well, we were all at a head table. There's a stage there, and they had a table on the stage, and everybody was sitting. So this and this is, is pretty, at... Where is this at? Uh, Sir Paul. Okay. This is a pretty formal deal. When you say, uh, I'm just thinking a bunch it of guys. It sounds like a bar. roast. It sounds yeah, like a right, roast, sort right. of. Uh, no, they had a, a great party for him. And uh, like I said earlier, uh, everybody was wearing a tie, and I didn't, and I kind of fell out of place. And so I. And there's I, a lot of, like, you know, Jim Gantner, Paul Molitor, Robin Yount, all these guys are there. Yeah. Yeah. And they, we're all sitting at the head table. Now, there might have been. Uh, Michael King, maybe, from The Wave as well. Uh, sure. But uh, I was sitting next to Peter Vakovic, and I said, geez, uh, Pete, I kind of feel out of place. I said, everybody's wearing a tie. Well, he said, if you worry so much about it, he said, stop. So he took his off. <laughs> so he said, now you're not the only one. So I said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's a great, great. That is a great story. Those guys, Pete, Pete Vukovic, Gorman Thomas, those guys, they really became, I mean, well, that whole 82 team. And you were you were here for that, I suppose, yeah. that 82 World Series, right? You guys are starting, yeah, and you guys happen to be starting off your well, best well, season. Right. What it was. Well, that 82-83 season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I used to go out of... 81 home game. I used to go to 70 of them. Really? Wow. So you were just were you a baseball fan growing up? Yeah, yeah. I, I was. Well, we had we had the Montreal Expos, but of course when I came here, I knew uh, I never met Sixtola Scano. He was always one of my favorite. But uh, like I said, I'm sure I had tons of chance to shake their hands or go up to them, but I was always too shy. A little to shy do to do it. it. A little shy to do it. So. But I would have loved to, like, Cooper, Gantner, you had Yount at shortstop, you had Molitor at third, uh, Ben Oglavy at, yeah. at left, uh, sure. Gorman Thomas at center, Sixtolis Keno. I knew the lineup by heart, and <laughs> I used to go all the time, so I, I loved it. I Did you go to the World Series? I don't. No, I didn't. You didn't, because the Admirals were playing. Probably in season, yeah. Uh, you would have just started your season probably that year. Yeah, it was right around there, but... Uh, yeah, you're right. You know, I, I didn't go to the World Series, so. Yeah. But at the time, uh, and Mr. and Mrs. Spitta has season tickets. Right. So to go to the game, you had to call the office, see if Mr. and Mrs. Spitta wanted them, if they were going to go to the game, or anybody else asked for them. Right. And... <laughs> 90% of the time. So they didn't use them. No, like, you, even sometimes I would go to the office in Plankington to pick up the tickets, and I would pick up the tickets for the whole series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. So it, it Absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, I only met Mrs. Pettit one time, but from what I've heard from her, of her, it, she doesn't exactly strike me as someone who's going to a brewer game and keeping score and getting her uh, Cracker Jack and, uh, uh, and soda, right? Well, she's... She's done so much, I mean, you know, for the community. And 
certainly uh, in 1989 when they built the Bradley Center, um, I think she, but she was the type of person that likes to be on the other side of the wall. Right. You don't know. She didn't know. You, you don't know me. You don't. I, yeah. I don't want you to know that she was. She does very, not want the publicity. She was very private, I've, but I've nor always, did she want anything in return. Nothing. Right. Yeah. I've always said it was ironic, but also apropos that she died September 9th, two thousand one, two days before the biggest event this century in American history because, and there was still a great celebration of her life, but it probably didn't get the attention that it should have because of the 9-11 attacks. Yeah. Um, but I think that's probably how the way she would have wanted it. Not for that reason, obviously. Yeah, you're right. Didn't but want it, the credit to she know didn't want right. No, so she yeah. didn't want the, the, Shy front, away from right, all of that. the front page of the yeah. newspaper type of thing. Yeah, she was one of the nicest person you can ever meet. I mean, she was a wonderful person. Let's talk about hockey. Let's talk about that 82-83 yeah, season absolutely. and 75 goals that 82-83 season. Did it seem like everything – did you have a plan first off? Stan Drulia, the, old, uh, the former Admiral's assistant coach, and he's a scout now for Nashville, told me his goal was to try to get shet 10 shot attempts per night because if you score on one of the – you know, right. if, you, if you're shooting 10%, you're feeling pretty good. So one out of ten was his goal every night. The one would go in. Did you have a plan like that, or were you just ripping and grip and, and, rip and go? Well, I, I, like I said earlier, that was my job. I think that's what I did best: scoring goals. And uh, I always felt like if I had a chance, a shot uh, from the slot, or if I had a good angle, that you know, my did shot. Did you play angles? Did you were you that accurate? Did you know where it was going all the time, most of the time? Well. I, I can't say 100%, no. Right. But if I if I see a hole, I'll, I'll aim and, you know, uh, hopefully that's where she's going to go. And it went in, yeah. Right. right. Yeah. That, that uh, year especially it went in. That year, 75 yeah. goals. A, a, a record that was not just an Admiral's record, still is, but was a record for the International Hockey League and has never was never broken. Never touched. Yeah. Well, is is the league still uh, exists? There's or? no, no, no. They yeah. came back. They uh, shut down. The old UHL became, bought the name to become the IHL, and they did the Turner Cup and everything. They right. bought all of the properties, but that was very that did not short, last long. Yeah. Very short lived. At what point in that year do you realize that? Because you'd scored fifty goals before, but never seventy, much less seventy five. At what point in that year do you do you know like wow, this is my like things are just rolling for it's me. Special. This is special. Well, uh, I started the season pretty well. I think I had 20 after 22 games. And I remember um, I finished pretty strong, too. Um, there's a good and bad that way because I put a lot of pressure on myself. I felt like I should. That's my job. That's what I get paid mostly for, to score goals. And uh, if I would go two or three games without scoring, I, I really put a lot of pressure on myself. Sure. You know. But we see that. We see people putting pressure on themselves, and you know they're holding the stick too tight. You hear that all the time, and they're not producing then. Right. But that didn't happen to you that year. It didn't. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I had 75 goals, and I believe I had three or four games left. I didn't score my 75th goal at the last game of the season. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, and, you In know. Incidentally, if you're curious, 82-83, Wayne Gretzky had 71. You know, so well, it's a different league. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather score 71 and be where he was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a good year. But then again, we got beat against Toledo. You know, there's you, t 
you can score as many goals as you want, but when you never win a championship, it's it's not. You can say, yeah, I had a good career, but it's not a great career. Without a championship, it's not. Aaron and I, we've talked to how many guys from that team, yeah. and every one of them still is bitter about that series, that we were better, we should have won, yes. and didn't. Yeah. It's you true. feel that way too. Oh, absolutely. So did you shoot yourself the team sh- shot itself in the foot or what happened here? Well, uh uh I'm not sure what uh <laughs> I mean it's 2 to 2. People who know who've been around for a long time know the history of this series that it's 2 to 2 going back to Toledo and then the worst game in Admirals history happens. We lose 16 to 4. And that really was like that was probably it right there. And the, the series came back, obviously, but uh, to Milwaukee for the next game. But that was that game really was probably it, huh? Well, I, I wouldn't say that. I thought maybe we could come back here and win Game Six, and you never know what can happen. But it felt like everybody had a point that night for Toledo, even the goaltender. Um, Is that right? Uh, Every every shot went in. Uh, I mean, but there's no reason, there's no way that in a, a, a championship series that you should get beat 16-4. 16 16 to to four. Four. You know, there, there's no reason. I bet that every person on that team from the Admirals could sit. You say, what's the score to game, game five in Toledo? And they'll tell you 16-4. to four. I happened to be talking to Claude Noel earlier this summer about something. And because they had one of the members of that team who passed away, and they're like, hey, we need to get together. So they're getting together for it. And I, we talked about it and I said, yeah, geez, that, that game five was, was tough. And I said, yeah, I mean, like, you know, Admiral's lost by 12 goals and he had to, he paused for a second. He's like, I don't remember that at all. Like I, I remember, I remember beating them. I don't know if that makes you feel good to hear that. Right? Or not. Like, <laughs> that's that. that he didn't like when you go on and win it, those types of things, it doesn't stay it, with you don't you remember like the that. details, right. but it sticks with you when you when you lose. And anyway, I'm sorry yeah. for bringing up this, these bad memories No, but here. I, I think maybe maybe he did remember. He just didn't want to say it because that's a, that's the type of person he was, that sure. he is. Um, I always respect Claude. He was always a good hockey player. And Did you get to know him when he was here as a coach at all? I, I got to see him quite a few times, but I never really – Knew him more as a player than as a coach, a coach. because he never really got to talk that much when he was here as a coach. But I always had a lot of respect for him of the way he carried himself as a player and as a coach. Um, I was always hoping when he went to Winnipeg, I believe, yeah. Yeah, that I always told myself wherever he's been as a player or coach, he's won championship. So I picture him one day winning the Stanley Cup, and I still look sometimes that they're getting rid of coaches and stuff. And I don't know if he really got a fair shake because it seems like they, they made a decision pretty quick on him. It seems like the second year he yeah. was gone or something. Yeah. Um, to me, I think is he deserved to be uh, a coach in the NHL. Uh, that's, you, I, I believe, you, how good he is. And You talk about... L- working in a fishbowl like up in Green Bay they talk about this with the Packers all yeah. the time and it would I can't imagine what the what the lens was like in Winnipeg as the head coach this uh, a hockey star the NHL city. team yeah and that had just come back that had exactly just come back. after 20 some years yeah. yeah so oof yeah that'd be rough uh that series we mentioned your 75 goals and you're playing Toledo 
Dirk Graham finished right behind you in the goal scoring race, and now he's. I mean, it's kind of a matchup. It's a matchup of the two best teams, and it's a matchup of the two, two top goal scorers. scorers. Yeah. In, in the did you was that personal for you? Was that was that part of a motivation? Was that motivational for you to play against him, or was it not so much the individual battle? Well, the year before, uh, I ended up with fifty nine goals, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, Barry Scully yeah. had 57 with one game left, and I had 59 with one game left. So they played at home against Muskegon that day. They won 7-2, to two, I think, or 9-2, to two, and he had, had three. Hat, had he had a hat trick. So he had 60, and he played in the afternoon. So I knew that before the game in Saginaw. And uh, a guy that worked in the penalty box in Saginaw during the warm-up, he said, Danny, he said, you can't let this guy beat you. Right. <laughs> you know, he said, you you got to at least tie him up. I said, well, I'm going to do my best, you know. Right. It didn't happen. It didn't work. Did you have, was it close? Do you remember that game? Uh, I believe we lost four to two. Sure. Uh, and I remember Yak took it back, and, and it went in the net, and I was right in the side of the net, and Yak, Look at the referee. He kept point, <laughs> it was your goal. pointing at me. <laughs> yeah, and I told Yak, I said, "No, don't even go there." Man. Was there? <laughs> That's not me. That's was not there? Mine. Was there a bonus involved with leading the league or anything like that, or it was just pride, personal pride, that you, that you would lead the league in goals? Well, like I said, the year before, I got beat by one. Right, right. And uh, but there was no financial incentive. Like you didn't get no five thousand dollars for being the league's goal scoring leader or anything no. like that in your contract or anywhere. No. Okay. Well. Five thousand. That's about what we're making. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a Buick for the weekend. Yeah, Maybe you can right. get that. <laughs> no, no bonuses. And I, I like the way Phil. Uh, our bonuses was all team bonuses. Okay. Uh, I'm talking about the contract I had, and I'm pretty sure that uh, quite a few players. It, so many. Wins at Christmas, uh, 25 wins, you get so much. 30 wins, you get so much. 35, 40 wins. Everybody's invested. E- every, it's the whole team. Yeah. Sure. Plus and minus. If you're plus at Christmas or at the end of the year. So most of the bonuses that we got was team. Team. Yeah. Team bonuses. And that's so, good. Yeah. Nobody's, yeah. nobody's left behind and everybody right. knows where they stand. There's no secret right. stuff going on at all. But after the 85-86 season, when I got beat by one goal, 1981-82 uh, uh, season, um, like I said, I was playing softball every, every night, uh, play golf every weekend, and uh, I used to ride my bike. after uh, Two weeks, I took two weeks off, okay, after the hockey season, and then I said, okay, uh, that's it. I got to start working out for next year because sure. I said, Nobody is going to beat me. <laughs> so I was working. I would ride my bike. I would never go to bar that would sponsor a softball team. I go to bar and have soda. Is you that know, right? That's how. Gave up beer. Not even a beer. After the two weeks after the season, not a beer all summer. Wow. And I believe that when the Rocky movies start coming out, uh, you know, The Eye of the Tiger, that song. <laughs> And this friend of mine that we played ball quite a bit and golf every weekend, he said, you got the eye of the tiger, Daddy. you got the eye of the tiger. <laughs> so I was working out two weeks after the hockey season was over because I said, man, now next year nobody is going to. And sure enough, the following year, 82, 83, they had Tony Fiore that was in Flint. Sure. Talk about a hockey player. 
and uh, Dirk Graham and myself. It seems like it was like this all year. The whole year, sure. And, and then Tony ended up with 66, and uh, Dirk was 70, and I had 75. Wow. Oh, but all year we were within a goal or two neck all the time. Yeah. That's that 82-83 final series. Um, I want your take on it. There's the, the, I think one of the main reasons we wanted to start this podcast is Mike Wojciechowski talking about being dragged out of there inside in an stick equipment. Bag. In a stick bag. Yeah, underneath the bus, out, of the, out of the arena in Toledo. Got, he gets punched. And, and by I, the owner I, of the by Toledo By the owner team. of the Toledo Gold Diggers and the, uh, Bill, Ber- Bill Bergen, I believe the guy's name was. And Bergen says that Woj assaulted him. And I, uh, I apologize in advance to Mike because he needs to tell us this story, and he yes, will. Yes, yes, yes. In a nutshell. Uh, but, I wa- but I want to know I what your hear, take is. What did is you know because about I, this? If you knew anything, because I heard it was John Flesh who put him in the bag. And again, Wolja will tell us all of this yeah. at a different. Did a later you know show, about but this? Did you did know you any of this? I remember one night having because we used to drive into the arena and leave the bus inside. Right. right. And I remember one night there was people there. We had a hard time getting out of there. But what happened to uh, Wolja? I that's the first time I hear about. No it. kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it, was, he, it was kept. It was kept quiet pretty good. Because, <laughs> well, the police wow. were looking for him. The Toledo police were looking for him because Bill Bergen says this guy assaulted me. Yeah. And, oh uh, really? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's Woj. It's Woj's first year, first full year with the team, and there's not enough room in the press box for Rel Boucher and uh, 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 Brendan Burke's dad, Don Burke. Don Burke, yeah. And there, and they, they've been covering this series. They covered game one and two, and uh, the owner of the Gold Diggers. And by the way, I think I mentioned this before. Gold Diggers. That is such a great. It's a great hockey name. name. A great is. hockey for a hockey team. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah. yeah so. Bill Bergen wants he needs to have these seats available for some VIPs, and Woj says, "Nuh-uh, our writers are sitting working here. Media, They're yes. working media." And Bergen hauls off and slugs him. <laughs> yes. Well, see, if if I if I did hear about it, I, I so because imagine I don't how you are. Anything imagine about. how you are for Woj. Not only do you get punched, not only the the, the t- do you got to get dragged out in a stick bag because the Toledo police are looking for you, but you lose sixteen to four, and oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> wow. No, I never heard that. We had to put him in a bag and uh, hide him, throw him under, throw him under the bus, and drive <laughs> him under him the bus and drive out <laughs> and stop, you know, wherever, ten and minutes out of town or whatever it is, <laughs> and, let him, and, let him out, and let him out of the stick wow. bag. Wow, funny, yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. let's talk about uh, some of your teammates. We we talked about Derek Davis, but who would be? I don't know if if we can use the word crazy. Who would be the the wildest guy, or who was the guy that was just that, a little bit off? Yeah, maybe just a little bit off in that locker room. There had to be a couple characters. Well, uh, John Flesh. I think we all knew about Flesh. <laughs> yeah, you know when you have a guy that uh, comes in after the warm up and between period take his gear off and take his shower and shave and then put his gear back on and, and he go back. shaved there's t- not every time oh that but, would hurt but there's time he would he would jump and his gear were off like I don't know how he did it. The, I mean, you got 15 minutes for intermission. <laughs> yeah. The suck and the shin pad will come off at the same time. The pants. <laughs> he'll go in the shower, get dressed back on, ready to go. What are you thinking the first time you see this? Do you remember the first time you saw him do this? Well, we playing against him, we kind of knew how he was on the ice. <laughs> but things that he would do in the locker room, um, 
He can't mention some of them, that's for sure. <laughs> but he he was yeah he was a character. You know they're fishing. bringing him they're bringing him in. He's coming in. No uh, way. And he, Yak is yeah. coming in too. Dale yes. Yakachuk is coming Yak in. Yak is coming too back. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Johnny Flesh Flesh lives. Woj knows he lives in Michigan somewhere. Good yeah. rappers, isn't he? Or I think it might. Yeah, it GR. Might, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. When are these guys coming back? In March, we're wearing. I don't know if you ever saw the uh, the original Admiral jersey was green. Uh, with, Back uh, in 1970. In yeah. 1970, really? uh, yeah. So um, it was green, and it had uh, the, the diagonal, the diagonal admirals, like Rangers, like the Rangers, because, yep. uh, and it was just, so we're wearing those. And so we've been talking to Yak um, for a few, about a few things. Um and so he's going to be coming back, and Flesh is coming back. So we hope that you'll join us. We haven't gotten formal invitations out yet because we do know that you live in the area. So, yeah. uh, Dale Yakachuk, though, is a guy. He had 100 assists. You scored 75 goals. He had 100 assists that season. 100, uh, 138 points. That led the league. And uh, we don't have Dale on yet. Um, do you remember when he shot the puck at the official? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Aaron, I didn't know Aaron was going there with this. Let, let me t go back to 138 points. Yeah. For some reason, every year whoever win the scoring title was the MVP of the league. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's the act that win the scoring title, and Claude Noel won the MVP. MVP of the league. Yeah. So. Because Yak was a bad guy, more than I mean, you still win the scoring title. You deserve to be the MVP. Right. But. He got uh, three-game misconduct for that thing. Yak, you actually have to know him, and I got to know him pretty well. On He was my... He's your center for many he was, years. He was my roommate on the road, too, so I got to know him pretty well. <laughs> and sometimes he'll do things that go like this, shoot the puck, you know? Like, instead of make a move with the puck, like this, his whole body would be moving. It would be gyrating. <laughs> yeah, and then what? we shoot the puck. So we're, <laughs> we, we're in Saginaw, and... He, uh, the ref put his hands up. So Yak knows he's got a penalty coming. So sure enough, as soon as he got hold of the puck, he went, boom, shoot him, hit him right. Right where you in, don't want to be hit. Right yeah. in the cup. <laughs> yeah. Right in the cup. But I got one better than that. But anyway, he got three-game misconduct for that, and he still won the scoring title. What, what, what is going through your mind when you see – like you probably see him winding up, and you, are you thinking, oh, Yak, don't be an idiot. Don't be an idiot. Well, he act like he didn't see the ref. It's like I told you. <laughs> of he, course. He <laughs> got the puck, and he knew exactly where he was, and he knew as right. soon as we touched the puck. <laughs> the guy who put the, the puck on your tape – how many times? Yeah. Moving <laughs> 25 miles an hour yeah, down the ice. Yeah. yeah. Didn't see yeah. the referee. Didn't. Yeah. Oh, he saw him. He was right in the corner. I mean, he had his arm up, and it was in our zone. And as soon as he got, grabbed the puck, I knew, you know, uh, he, he act like he was looking that way. But then <laughs> <laughs> he knew exactly what he was doing. It's a riddle. Know? But, but only three games is the crazy thing, too. Yeah, it could have been worse. Like, it could have been much worse, but absolutely. Richard Sirwa, talk about they scored a goal. That was in Saginaw again. Yeah. And uh, they scored a goal that, uh, you know, now with the camera, the replay and everything probably shouldn't account, but somebody took Rich out of the, out of the net, and um, the ref said, yeah, that's a goal, and so and richie's yelling is it you know he's swearing at him he said this guy took me out and so the ref is going to the now he's leaving the zone our zone to go to uh, center to announce who scored a goal 
So Richie Sirwa grabbed the puck and shoot the puck. And as the ref was going to the penalty box to announce the goal, he hit him right in the back oh, of the head. Oh, right in the back of the head. Right in the back of the head. He could have tried it a million times. Could have never, never done it again. It. Boom. Another, another three games. Oh. He was out three games. But <laughs> three again, games. I can't imagine like, can you imagine that happening now. You'd be banned for the whole season. It might season. be the season, yeah. It might be the season. <laughs> but Richie Sirwa. Yeah. We had a guy the other night, Danny, left the penalty box to start to continue to start a, a fight. fight. So he, f- he was in a fight, went to the penalty box. He got out to fight again. Didn't and, really uh, fight, though. Just got Yeah, just kind of got, got pummeled. Up. But, yeah. um, but they're talking, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I haven't seen any He's going to get at least three games. But, but, yeah, uh, at least three. But uh, I heard some people up in the stands saying, oh, that's going to be ten. And I'm like, oh, he, you know, all he did really was leave the penalty box. He yeah. didn't hit the official or right. anything D- like Did he that. get suspended? Or he just we're get- waiting to hear. It just happened. So we're waiting to hear. We only got time for a couple more things here, I think, right? I mean, we've got we got time. We okay. got time. Okay. Did he finish the game or no? No, they done. kicked him out. He got three three game misconducts because yeah. now you get two fights. You can only fight twice in a game. That's a game and misconduct after two fights for the game itself. For the game, for that itself, game itself, right? And then he got another game because he left the penalty box. Oh boy! And then he got another game for continuing altercation. Right for a second so, a second altercation. So yes. It's, so that not the primary fight, but when well, you were playing, you're scoring a lot of goals, but you're not a big guy. How often do guys coming up to you and being like, "Hey, come on, Danny, let's go right now"? And what did, what was what was your response? I mean, obviously you had there were some fights you got in, like you couldn't well, play in the in the '80s and not get into fights. I didn't win too many of them. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but uh, you know, when you're my size and you're playing against a right winger that's six foot five. It puts him. It will put me at five eight on my skate, sure, because it's three inch of blade. So yeah. a six foot five would be six foot eight. So their stick was pretty much right across your throat, sh- shoulder basically. high or uh, the neck area. Uh, and you're playing without a helmet. Everybody right. played without a helmet. Except, right. Well, Freddie uh, Barry played without. He helmet. was yeah. Not not many guys. Not though, many. Yeah. No. Not so. I don't think it ever happened. That yeah, it might have happened a couple times. Let's go. Uh, but most of the time, there were cheap shots I had to deal with. Yeah. And for some reason, every, you know, um, when you're a goal scorer, you have a target on your yes, back. Sure. And uh, and don't get me wrong, uh, I would play against Dirk Graham 82 games a year. Yeah. Bec- I knew Dirk would hit me. Dirk would hit me, but not to hurt me. Right. Right. He'll take me out of the play or whatever, so that's why I always had respect for him. But the, sure. on- the honor in the game, yes. Right. But... Uh, it was a guy by the name uh, La Rochelle in Saginaw. He was a very strong skater. That's probably the guy I had the hardest time to get away from. But him, him too. And he he was French Canadian, so we speak French on the ice. On the he ice, said, yeah. Hey, he said, "You're not going anywhere." And he said, "You know, you'll tell me in French. If I got a chance to hit you, I'll hit you. But don't worry, I'm not. I'm not gonna. T- I'm not trying to hurt you. Right. But I'm gonna hit you. Yeah, that's fine. I respect that. But sure. there's guys that." No, the, the only thing they tried to do was to hurt me. Yeah. Charlie, so. Charlie had asked you before, and you said you weren't surprised that you weren't drafted into the NHL or the WHA, uh, but did you, were you ever upset when you're scoring 50, 60 goals that you didn't get more of a sniff than, than you did? Uh, are you talking when I was here? Or yes, yeah, when you yes, were here. Out of like Milwaukee. You never... You're 25 years old, let's say, and you're putting, I mean, you're still a young man, 24, 25 years old, and you're scoring 50, 60 goals, 75 goals. Did you, was, did that, was that upsetting that nobody ever, and, and did you have anybody really go to bat for you that you know of? Well, um, 
yeah, even with the years that I had, um, I don't know, there's a part of me, I think, that believed that if they didn't look at me before, they won't look at me now. But sure. um, when you're scoring, uh, you score 75 goals uh, in 82, 83. I was 27. Uh, yeah, it was kind of, you know, who and, knows, maybe. And, um, and, and this is a related question that I was curious about. Uh, the 84, 85 season, all you guys have been playing together for many years, and all of a sudden the Pettits decide, we're going to get an affiliation. We're going with the Blackhawks. What was the what was was that a shock for you guys? Did you think you would become Blackhawks or did you think did you know what was going to happen? Well, we thought maybe that I didn't know that you had to have a contract with the Blackhawks. Sure. But I thought maybe there must be a way that they should be able to keep four or five players mm-hmm. from the year before. Right? You know. And uh but it didn't happen. What did you do that year? I played in uh, in the French Alps. I went to France. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and you know, I got a good story for you there. Let's hear it. I, That's what this is about. When I played junior, I played junior hockey with Eve in Canada. So, you know, I was a year older than Eve. So I knew him from there. Then he comes here. We played in the U.S. Hockey League. And then we played in the IHL. And then he goes to uh, Philadelphia. Then he, he's in their system. And then he comes back here. Then 84, 85, Chicago takes over. So I get a call from Canada, a friend of mine I played junior with. Uh, well, first I get a phone call from the newspaper guy, Francois Beliveau, his name. He said, uh, Véry Chatillon near Paris, which is about 15 miles north of Paris, are looking for a player. Would you be interested? So I told Francois, I said, hang on, I'll call you back. I called Richard Perron that I played junior with in Quebec. Richard had played in Charmonix in the French Alps. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the same league. Yeah. Sure. So I took, I, Call Richard, Richard said, nah. He said, don't go to Don't do it. Shit. Don't go. So I called Francois Beliveau back, and I tell Francois, I said, no, I'm going to pass. He said, do you know anybody that would go? I said, well, Eve, Eve Preston. <laughs> so I gave him his phone number. He called Eve, and sure enough, Eve is on the plane. He's going to Vigichaccio. <laughs> so a week later, I get a call from the same guy, Francois Beliveau. He said, would you like to go to Megev in the French Alps? I said, let me make a phone call. I'll call you back. <laughs> <laughs> so I called Richard Perron. Richard said, oh, yeah, you got to go. He said it's really? one of the most beautiful places there is in France, the French Alps. I've never been there. Because Richard had played in Chamonix, which is about 15 minutes from Megev, but Megev is on top of the mountain, and Chamonix is down here. Sure. So you can have 12 feet of snow there, and you'll have two feet of snow in, in uh, uh, Chamonix. But Richard knew how beautiful that place was. Right. So sure did you enough, go with the whole? Did you with your wife and kids? Uh, Jan met me there, uh, December twenty seventh, twenty eighth, I believe. Okay. And I left in late October. Sure. So they met me there, and then we came back in March. Okay. How many games did you play? Uh, I believe we played thirty games. There. Oh, jeez. It was a less lighter schedule, and yeah, and you get yeah. to see the world. One home, one away. Yeah. Yeah. But. There again, Eve and I went the same path. So he's in Par- he's near Paris, and we ended up playing against each other. Sure. sure. So <laughs> it was, and then he came to visit us at Christmas uh, at Majev. Uh, his girlfriend went, flew to visit him, and then they came to uh, Majev to go skiing. Yeah. So he stayed by me for two or three days around Christmas, and they took Eve the did, train. Eve did, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty amazing that I, we... 
I go there in 80-45 and so does he. You Were know? you guys, was the team good? Did you win? What what was the uh, like there's no when you look I mean, we're looking on hockey DB all the time, and, and there's no record of that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have told us that you'd played in Europe before, but yeah. uh, I mean, did you score 50 goals? Do you remember? No, no, I didn't. I probably averaged a goal a game. Uh, was it a bit? Was it Olympic size sheet? Yes, it was. Yes, and over there you got uh, Division A, B, C. We're right. in, uh, we were in the A. There was 12 teams, and what you do there, it's like. Uh, you take the best four teams at the end of the season with the best record, and you have like a round robin, and whoever wins the whole thing finish in first place. Sure. So you win the championship. The year before, they had won the championship with uh, Paul A. Berdolo, and that's the reason why I ended up going there, because Paul A. hurt himself uh, in camp. His knee, he was out all year. So mm -hmm. then they were looking for players to replace him, and I ended up going there. And then to make a long story short, we had a good season, but we finished second. So second. after second. all of that, when do you know that you're going to be an admiral again? Because the Blackhawks thing lasted just the one season. Right. Not a, a good experience. And, and not a good experience for anybody. And right. now all of a sudden, like the band is all back together. Right. Yeah. That Almost was, everybody. That was good to hear. Well, it was, uh, so who calls you? Mr. Pettit? Phil Whitliff? Who who's the one? Do you remember that? Uh, no. I don't recall, but I believe that. Uh, but yeah. this was still home, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you were coming home in March or April or yeah. whatever. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we had heard that the Pettit uh, had broke the uh, contract you had with the Blackhawks that he wanted to bring his uh, the old guys sign back. his own players. Yeah. And uh, so, but who contacted me? I don't know. Though I can't remember. Did you still have a contract from before? No. So you had to sign, sign a, new a new deal and, and yeah. all of that to get in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you're back, and that was great. Yeah. Yeah. I. It, uh, you know, it, playing overseas is uh, there's guys that can play there and stay there forever. Sure. They go there. A uh, uh, friend of mine, Gaetan Boucher, uh, we played together in my hometown and we played Quebec together. And then um, I got traded to Chicoutimi. He got traded to uh, uh, Trois Rivières. But, um, uh, but I think Gaetan was drafted by Toronto Toros in the WHA. Okay. And then. Uh, a team in Switzerland, Sion, Switzerland. Uh, so he ended up going Sion, and uh, he lived there all his life. Hmm. Wow. All his life. He, uh, yeah. he stayed. He played until he was 43, 44. Sure, playing 30 games a year. There's yeah. no wearing, yeah. not a lot of wear and tear. Yeah, and you get a, few, a, a couple weeks off for those t uh, tournaments over there and things like that. Yes, and yeah. yeah. Which we is did. great. Actually, I had to uh, announce the penalty and the goals and assist in French and English. Uh, when I was in Majer, because they had this... Because they didn't have a lot of English speakers? <laughs> well, because they had these tournaments with teams coming from everywhere, Czechoslovakia, yeah. and sure. uh, you know, and uh, they had to announce the goal in French and English. And you could do both. Yeah. And you were so, the guy to do it. That's, that's great. <laughs> that is good. It was good. <laughs> that's really good. It was good. good. Yeah. That's really good. A few years ago, uh, Dean Zanoni, the Zanoni family has been synonymous with Admirals Hockey since day one, and obviously good friends. And... Dean got you to go down to St. Louis <laughs> for a fantasy camp with the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. What was that like? Because uh, had you skated much before that? When was the last time you had skated, and, and that hard anyway, yeah. that you would have to do at a scrimmage and whatever else is I want to say about 16 years. <laughs> <laughs> well. I didn't put my gears on. I skated at the Pettit Center a couple times maybe. Yeah, but, just to get get your sea legs, so to speak. Yeah. 
and uh, according to them, it was don't worry about it. It's just for fun, and wow, <laughs> it was pretty intense, huh? I tell you, there's a team there. They were called uh, Big Red. Everything was red: the pants, the socks, the jersey, the glove. Everything. People own a, a construction company or whatever. And on Thursday night, before the tournament start, they, we have a draft. Okay. With the St. Louis Blues player. That team bid $20,000 to get the first pick. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> or eight, or eight, 18000 for the first pick, and they took T.J. O'Shea. <laughs> Not a bad pick. And they spent 20000 for the last pick. <laughs> and I can't remember who that was, but I think we got uh, Tarasenko for fifteen hundred. <laughs> That's a pretty good deal. <laughs> That's a good value. Yeah. So, and here we are playing, and those guys can't score, okay? Unless right. unless we're down by three goals. Okay. okay. And uh, like I said, I was so out of shape. You know, I, I was playing at one hundred and fifty pounds, and all of a sudden, one hundred and eighty. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. I haven't a lot put, more to be carrying around. I haven't put the gears on in sixteen years, like I said. But according to the Zanoni, it's just fun. Don't worry about it. We get there, man. <laughs> the pace was, my shift was 30 seconds. <laughs> it was it's, serious hockey. Oh, And our first game, we were so shorthand. We were six or seven of us. Just, <laughs> what? Six or seven? You played the six whole game. Six or seven guys. <laughs> so Dean played the whole game, 55 minutes. Oh. Nonstop. He didn't get off once. Wow. But me and Gary, oh. Man, 30 seconds, we were out. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> and, you know, always, a, always a power play for the other team. Yeah. You got to get the golf to get off the ice. It was a lot of fun. I was, uh, I was able to. But before I get to that, I, you know, for something that was so easy to do, <laughs> skating, you know, your balance, and, you know, when you can turn a, on, on a dime with a puck and you don't lose it and you're able to go between cones, and it, it's something easy. And when you go that long, and then you got to, uh, you and know, you, we had to compete. These guys were good <laughs> teams. good players. Well, the, big, the big red machine, if right? If you're going to spend almost 40 grand on draft choice, these, they <laughs> they're there to win. Big red won it the year before. Yeah. Uh, Chase, uh, he used to work, uh, he used to play for the Blues. Kelly Chase. Kelly, yeah. Uh, Kelly Chase. Uh, he showed us his championship ring that they won the year before. Every player got a championship <laughs> ring, and it looks like a Stanley Cup ring. <laughs> Seriously. And For a, a, what, a week-long tournament, a week-long event? Three days. <laughs> three days. So those teams take that pretty seriously, you know. And uh, I think we might have won one game and tied one maybe. Right. And we lost all the other one. But playing with Tarasenko, he... For some reason, he kept looking for me all the time. Yeah. And that's the last thing I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want... I just wanted to blend in. I didn't want to pass me the puck. <laughs> like and the I don't know if it ever happened to you, but it happened to me. I was completely on the left side of the rink, and the play was on the right side. I was all alone, nobody near me, and I fell over the red line. <laughs> well, they paint those lines very thick, well, I, I understand. But just to tell you that, you look around like... Anybody saw me? <laughs> but that, trust me. I mean, that happens to all of us when you're outside Absolutely in the wintertime. time, and you, or, you know, you fall you on fall the ice. Like, Try oh, to gosh. play it cool, yeah. Right, Try right. to play it cool. But it was a but good that's experience. on the ice. It was a good experience. I, uh, I got to talk to Brett Hall for about 15 minutes. I mean, we're talking about guys that he played against and 
all of that. So uh, I bought a jersey of his. And, uh, well, when I took to him that Wednesday night, it was a big tent. And these guys are on the, on the stage, and they talk about story. And trust me, there was some good story about Brett Hall and Chase. Chase getting traded to Montreal, and they're about to go golfing. And uh, Chase called Brett Hall at the golf course. He said, I got called to the office. I'd just been traded to Montreal. And Brett Hall said, no, you didn't. He said, yes, I just got a call. I got to go back. They told me I got traded to Montreal. Yeah. So Brett Hall said, I'm telling you, you're not getting traded. But if that's what you want to do, he said, I'll wait for you here till you're done. And in the meantime, Brett Hall called the office. He said, is he going to Montreal for real? He said, yeah. And Brett Hall said, you're trading him. You're trading me. <laughs> so wow. it's him and I or, or nothing. nothing. He's not going. He's staying here. And sure enough, when he got to the office, he said, the trade is off. Wow. So, yeah, they had a lot of good story. That was pretty wow. amazing. But that when is it, completely amazing. That night I talked to Brett Hall for quite a while. We all had a few drinks, you know. We're sure. talking about Mike Bussey being a great goal scorer and uh, me playing in uh, that he talked about uh, Guy Carboneau sure. that he played with in Dallas. And so we talked quite a while, and I, asked, I told him, I said, if I get a jersey of yours, would you sign it to me? tomorrow he said absolutely so the next day we went to the downtown uh, you know where they play at the uh, was scott well scott i don't know what it is St yeah. now anymore scott trade yeah. center scott trade center yeah yeah and uh i spent 250 bucks on his jersey and that night that uh the you know the well that night i bought the jersey i brought it there and he uh he, and he signed, signed it, it. Uh, from one goal scorer to another Brett Hall, number 16, Hall of Fame, 2009. That's wow. awesome. That's fantastic. So, yeah, that That's jersey, a great story. Yeah, that jersey means a lot to me. I yes. bet. Absolutely. So, no doubt. But what a, it was fun. I just wish that. Did you I, grow up watching his dad play? Uh, Do you remember? All, all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Did you go to a lot of, did you go to uh, Canadian NHL games, games at all? NHL games? No, but I didn't miss any of them. Uh, we used to have it on Saturday night. Okay. Sure. So it was in black and white. Right. Uh, that I remember. And, uh. Yeah, it was always. Who was your guy? Who did you like? Who did you? Who did you... Well, I always liked Jean Beliveau as a player. Uh, Cornoyer. I mean, there was. Uh, yeah, those are the two that comes out, and then of course, and uh, later on with Guy Lafleur and sure. Jacques Lemaire. And but you, you just said uh, Guy Carboneau and Mike Bossy. These were peers of yours when you were playing junior hockey in Quebec. Uh, no. 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 Guy Guy's younger than me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there, he's younger than me. He played in Chikurimi after I did. After you he did. did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, Bossy, uh, Bossy would have been maybe a little younger than you, but not too much younger than I you. I think Mike was a year younger than me. Okay. He was. So did you? You would have played against him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I played. Yeah, I played two years against Mike. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He was a good. Do you, goal do you ever sit there? I mean, we're doing it now, but do you ever sit around when you're when you're in your quiet time at home doing whatever and say, "Man, it's been pretty good." Yeah, when you absolutely. think about all the guys you played with and the things you've done and what 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 you forced hockey to give you, yeah, by using hockey uh, for everything that it could be. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's always a part of my life when I when I grew up when I played and uh, now, yeah, it's uh, it's always going to be a part of my life. Yeah. So I'm thankful for that. 
Excellent. So, I think that's a great way that's to wrap it. a great it. way to end it. Danny, yeah. it's, a, it's a treat. Thank you so much for giving uh, so much of your time here for us today. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I had a blast. Excellent. Danny so. LaCour, uh, great Danny LaCour, number retired. As what else? Gets, what else do you have to gets. say? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Wraps <laughs> things up. That's a wrap. All right. Thanks for listening to the Milwaukee Admirals podcast. <laughs>